sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is a special episode. It's episode 136. So good afternoon. It is Friday, May 1st, probably the first Friday episode we've ever recorded here at the Back of the Range, but I have something special to share with you all. No better time than the present. Before we get to this episode, just let me remind you, we have several great episodes coming up in the next few weeks. USGA champions, All-Americans, perhaps some other surprises. Don't forget we're on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And every episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. Past episodes with guests like Jack Nicholas, Victor Hovland, Joe Buck, they're all there on the website, thebackoftherange.com. Another episode that I highly recommend you go back and listen to is episode 97, where I first had the chance to speak with Will Zalatoris. Will won the U.S. Junior in 2014 and then had just an absolutely incredible 2017 season. He was a first-team All-American at Wake Forest. He was on that 2017 Walker Cup team that was so dominant at LACC, and he was also the ACC Player of the Year. He since turned pro, plays on the Corn Ferry Tour, Earlier this week, when I released the episode with Oklahoma golf coach Ryan Hibble, I mentioned that there's a small that there was a small fundraiser event to take place in Dallas at Merido Golf Club. The tournament not only had some of their high-profile members, but it also featured other professionals and some of the best college players in the country. So, I was able to speak with Will this morning about his experience playing in the Merido Samaritan fundraiser tournament. We spoke about what he's been doing for the last six weeks to keep his game sharp, his experience playing in this event while keeping social distancing policies in place. Will played great. In fact, he shared some information about the final round where he and Victor Hovland went toe-to-toe yesterday in the next to the last group. They both shoot 65, and Tony Romo's in the gallery doing play-by-play. And not to be overshadowed, there was a hole-in-one with, with an asterisk. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. You probably have heard about this, but uh, we discussed it. So just to bring you all a little bit behind the curtain, normally I do a pretty thorough job editing these episodes, but I wanted to get this out right away. I literally got off the phone with Will about two hours ago. So this is a very casual chat between Will and I. Glad to have him back on the podcast. Someone that I think everyone can really root for once the Corn Ferry Tour gets going again. Let's get started. Will, glad to have you back here at the back of the range. How are you? Doing well, Ben. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. Well, this is fun to reconnect. Uh, We haven't spoken in quite some time, but uh, always keeping in touch. And, you know, we actually, thanks to you and and a lot of the the fine folks down at Merido, down in Dallas, we have some golf actually to talk about in, uh, in the coronavirus era. So this is probably the first, one of the first tournaments that's actually been played. So before we talk about your your runner-up finish yesterday at Merido. Um, tell me a little bit about, I guess, what you've been doing for, oh gosh, the last six weeks since really PGA Tour, Corn Ferry Tour, everything kind of shut down um, in the world of golf. Yeah, you know, we've actually been pretty lucky in Dallas. Um, you know, all the courses have been technically closed, but you know, you've been able to go out and walk the golf course just because it's, you know, it's exercise. So we've been going out and for about five 
probably about four or five weeks. We would, you know, we didn't warm up, but we were still able to bring our own balls and chip and putt on the chipping green. And then uh, we were able to walk on the golf course at both places where I play at at Merido and Vetri. And, uh, you know, just recently both places started allowing, uh, you're able to lease your own golf cart for the month. Um, and so, yeah, so Davis Riley and I lived together. And so we ended up getting our own golf cart for the month. So, you know, nobody, nobody else can ride in it. Nobody else can touch it. Um, so we've been basically every day. I mean, it's been a combination of, uh, Tony Romo, Mike Baldwin or or Davis Riley will pop in there. Kevin Doherty will pop in there. I know Spieth has played a couple of times. And so that same trio has actually been super fun to play with and you know i give both of them a couple pops aside and um it's a good it's a good battle i noticed you were quick just to throw that out there right out (laughs) you're giving strokes to to tony romo and we'll we'll we'll, we'll, i have a feeling we'll we'll find another story to share about uh about mr romo (laughs) I, i i see where this is going so um all right, so it sounds like it's basically, you know, no tournaments to play and no travel, but you're still able to find some way to, um, you know, play, stay sharp, uh, get a little bit of competition going. Um, so that's good. And, you know, as I've said in just about every episode in the last six weeks, you know, I, I let listeners know when we're recording, and we're recording this on May 1st, the day after the, the Merido Samaritan uh, tournament that was benefiting all the caddies there that are obviously out of work. And let's just, you know, level set real quick. Golf is not the most important profession in the world right now. There are a lot of things that are going on, you know, first responders, people in the healthcare industry that are really struggling and, and people are out of work. But how have you adjusted to the point or how have you adjusted to, you know, your career right now is kind of on hold? And have you had a chance to maybe, you know, sit back and, and think about what that means for you how you're approaching it, how you're kind of keeping things in perspective. You know, have you had that time to maybe just, you know, give some thought to, okay, what's the reality of this? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. You know, it's, it's funny because I remember when it first got announced that we were going to have a stay in place order for the County. And it was just kind of like, well, what does that mean for golf courses? And it's, that was immediately where my head went to. Yeah. And then after three or four days, you start seeing the death tolls go up. And then all of a sudden, now oh, there's 50,000 cases. Now there's 100,000 cases. Now we're up to over 600,000 cases or whatever we've got or whatever we've got now. And we saw 60,000 deaths is what we crossed yesterday. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, like yesterday we were out grinding and having some fun and I'm not going to lie. You get the juices flowing a little bit just because, you know, you want to beat, you know, some of the, you know, Victor's playing, Scotty's playing. And it's not about like playing for a trophy. It's different. It's like, we were trying to beat each other. Right. I know Scotty and I both donated our checks back to the fund. So it's like, we're out there more for fun, but at the same time, it's like, I want to beat that knucklehead as bad as I possibly can. And it's even funny because I'm sitting here last night with Davis over a couple of cocktails and I had like a 15 footer on the last hole that had like a good amount of break in it. And I left it short in the heart and I'm sitting there and I'm just going, God, come on, man. Like you gotta get that thing there. And I'm like, 
I don't want to say that it doesn't matter, but it's like, I was obviously, you know, I, the money, obviously it's all going back to the fund and it's all, you know, going to the caddies. But I was like, you know, that I was laughing at myself. I was like, you know, what we did the last three days was really freaking cool. Yeah. Because we were out there, took it seriously. A lot of the members were able to come out and watch in, you know, a socially distant fashion. Right. And we had some really good players and I was like, this was really fun. Like, this was really cool. Um, you know, and obviously not to mention raising a bunch of money. I mean, I think, I mean, they said that there was, they raised 20,000 for the fund, but I know with Scotty and I giving our checks back, it should be over 30. Yeah. No, that's, that's really cool. And, the, and, and for people listening that are saying, well, who, who are all these great players that, that were in this tournament in this that Dallas area? I mean, I don't think anyone was really traveling in if they were. I can't imagine it must have been from very far away, but yeah, I mean, it was Victor Hovland, Scotty Scheffler, me, Davis Riley, Grant Hirschman, Charlie Saxon, Max McGreevy, the old Corn Ferry Tour PJ Tour guys, Austin Neckerot from Oklahoma State, Cooper Dossie from Baylor. I mean, the the list goes on and on. The Cootie Brothers. Yeah. I mean, it was there's 51 players, and you know, I think it was like 25 or no, it was like I think like 20 ish college players and probably 25 pros and then a couple of elite amateurs yeah you know like um Quake, so it was Quake Cummins was, it was there fun. i mean you got yeah I mean, quade was there i mean it was basically the top college players in the south or specifically between oklahoma texas and arkansas were all here i mean it was a it was a really cool deal and it literally this came together in six days Okay, so you know, that, that was exactly where I wanted to go with this. You know, before we start talking about some of the yeah. things that happened on the course during the event, I mean, it's a 54-hole tournament, stroke play. I kind of want to hear about how it started and then maybe the things that were put in place because I, I think you and I talked a little earlier. I think we talked last week when this thing was in place and you were saying how PGA Tour is somewhat keeping an eye on this just to see, okay, well, like, like from an operational standpoint, what were maybe the things that worked? What are some things that really are like, wow, that's that's different. I, I got to get used to something like that. So you know, fill me in a little bit how um, how this thing came to be at Merido. Yeah, so Albert Huddleston, the owner of Merido, is, I mean, when he puts something, when something gets in his head, he does it. I mean, it's basically about, a week ago, he comes up to some of us and says, Hey, I'm going to have a little fundraiser for the Samaritan fund. And it originally it was just going to be within the membership. And, you know, everybody puts up 250 and we'll play three rounds of golf. And, you know, there's a lot of great player, great players that are at Merida that are members. And you kind of have to be just given how hard the golf course is. Yeah. And within, 48 hours, it went from basically probably 20 ish players to there's going to be 81 players, three flights. The top college players are playing. Uh, Malcolm Holland and Veritex Bank are going to put up some money. I know BA Klein put up a little bit of money and Albert put up some money to put a purse together. And the money, you know, half the money goes to the, to the Samaritan fund and half the money would be in the purse for the, for the professionals. And I remember when he told me that, I just go, what? <laughs> I mean, this was, this was just going to be a casual, nonchalant, you know, I'll go out, you know, play a little golf, play for a little coin, whatever. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, we got a PGA tour winner in the field, possibly a three-time major winner in the field. 
you know, this is like, this is awesome. Yeah. This is great. And then, uh, you know, yeah, basically in terms of like how the, how we all played was, um, we had a walking scorer in our group, which is actually one of the caddies, uh, or typically one of the caddies, some of the members volunteered and they had a rake. And so they raked all of our bunkers as we played. Okay. Um, and then the golf course has had a PVC pipe, um, like a cylinder put around the flagstick in the hole. Okay. Um, so kind of like so, the, the pool noodle thing. What I think it's similar. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so it's actually, um, and I've played with both the PVC pipe and the, and the pool noodle. I thought the PVC pipe was a million times better, but okay. you know, we left all the flag sticks in. Um, if you know, Merido is, is typically, uh, probably 16 out of the 18 holes are very, uh, open in terms of where the wind is coming through. There's not a lot of trees unless you're on basically the one corner of the property on 16 and 17 or for the tournament routing. But so if the flag stick, we had one day where the winds were blowing 35 miles an hour. I mean, it was crazy. It was Bahamas level for us. I and, saw that. Um, yeah, it was, the sec- it was the second day, right? Second day of the tournament? Yeah, second day. And the first day was still pretty windy, but the second day was Bahamas level wind. Like that was definitely up there in terms of you know our first event of the season for the Corn Ferry Tour. Yeah. But the, with the wind whipping around and the flag sticks would kind of lean a little bit, um, the caddies were allowed to take the rake and basically hook it around the flag stick and pull it to where the flag would be in the middle of the hole. Um, if somebody was putting, cause you know, it's whipping so hard that someone who's putting straight into the wind, I mean, the flag stick, you know, damn near is touching the cup. Yeah. So they were able to kind of hook the flag stick around and hold it in place. And so that was really the only weird thing that we did the whole week. Um, you know, and I, th- I thought it was incredible and not to mention yesterday, uh, Albert, said that he wants to do it again in a couple weeks oh my gosh so, yeah so and i know there's a lot of top players that i know of that have heard about it and i've got a couple text message or a couple text messages already being like hey do you think i could get in if we do it again you know you gotta have to <laughs> so, this thing might need a qualifier oh i know so that's the thing about about mr huddleston is he loves competition and he wants all the top events that he can possibly get. I know he's been um, tickering with some ideas in terms of, you know, maybe a junior event or, you know, basically if there's any competition that want, that he deems to be high, you know, high level enough to be at Merido, he wants it there. And so that's the part where, you know, you get, that's why all the guys, you know, Scotty comes and plays and that's why you've got 15 guys that are on the, you know, corn fairy tour that come and play in it. It's just because we know how good of a test it is. You know, it's really interesting as you're talking about this and, and obviously, you know, these guys would be playing out on PGA tour events and you'd be playing, uh, you know, corn fairy events and every, you know, the college players would be, uh, you know, playing, you know, high level amateur stuff to get them ready for the USAM and, and before they launch their pro careers. But it sounds to me that this is something where it's not about the money. It's about the competition. It's about being in a comfortable place and just boys being boys and just throwing some money in a pot and say, let's go get after it. I mean, is this something that, you know, even when things get more back to normal, I'm guessing this is something you want to see in, in the future. Yeah. You know, and I'll be very honest that originally when the idea went from being within the membership to being, an entire, basically a very good field full of college and regular players. 
or professional players, I was a little thrown off at first. I was almost a little hesitant. I was like, are, are we ready for this? Like, I, I don't know if this is, you know, I just don't want my golf course to get shut down. Right. Like, trust me, I, I want the competition, but I was like, I don't know if we're ready for this. And then they put in really strict guidelines for social distancing. If anybody didn't adhere, they were asked to leave. You had to, your temperature was checked when you drove in the gates. Um, they got asked the same three questions every day. Have you traveled outside the United States? Did you, have you, do you have any of the symptoms? Um, and have you, I can't remember what the third one was, but it was basically like, it was run perfectly. Like it golf is literally the one sport where you're able to go out and play and get away with, you know, you can still adhere to social distancing guidelines and, you know, not having rakes. Well, guess what? You know, a hundred years ago, they didn't have rakes and bunkers. Yeah. So by the fourth day, if you own in a bunker, it's a hazard. I mean, and that's, that's why to me it was, I think I'm excited after playing this week, I basically confirmed in my mind, okay, we're going back June 8th. Like we're ready to go. And honestly, we could probably go back sooner, but <laughs> but yeah. that's but still you got to give the you know we haven't traveled yet we haven't gotten in hotels yet so yeah i think the big thing for me when i think about you know getting back i mean obviously we all want to get back as quickly as possible it's just when you look at what you guys did where really everyone's just kind of driving sleeping in their own bed or or staying in a hotel I, I can't imagine there was too many flights being made to catch this tournament and you can control right. you can control a lot of it. Yeah, I don't know what it's going to look like for a PGA Tour event. Um uh, I mean cuz there's just hundreds of people that need to be in place for those things to to go off. Uh, yeah, so and that's Yeah, that's the only thing that I I worry about that cuz you know, what happens if someone in a TV truck you know get something and just something like that that you're like okay well now how do we now what do we do so well yeah and that's what you know i had this conversation with tony the other day talking about uh you know football where he was like he said you know football you can get away with it where you test everybody once a week you can control them in training camp by you know say instead of the Cowboys going to Oxnard, they basically stay up at the star and everyone stays at the Renaissance. Right. And it's like nobody in or out, but the difference is, you know, obviously they want to see their families, but you know, you got to test them every week. And if one guy gets sick on one team and they played against another team, now you got to test both teams to see if anybody's sick. So he's like, he said, he thinks that football will, you know, be okay and probably start on time. But, um, you know, he just said that, you know, you just gotta be cautious. And so that's why, you know, I think at first when we did this event, I hate saying it, but I was a little bit of a, I guess you could say I was a little bit of a hater. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, and, but after how it was run and how perfect Mark Welgus and the whole staff and Allison Morris and everyone put it together. And I mean, it was literally, it was flawless. I mean, I didn't think you could have 81 players being spread out playing golf having walking scores, I didn't think it was physically possible without breaking some rules. And it was literally run perfect. So did you even, you, so no scorecards, you had the walking score, take care yeah. of everything. Well, we, we actually had our own score or had our own scorecard. We didn't even trade scorecards. Okay. So, so, you, so you just kept it just to keep things, you know, keep a record, but the official score was done by the walking score. Correct. So when we got in there, I just took my scorecard and confirmed it with the, uh, right 
yeah so it was interesting it was uh, yeah so in reality i probably shot about 11 over and you know <laughs> nice nice yeah. um all right well so you mentioned we can't let we can't let your buddy romo off the hook here you just mentioned him mentioned a little bit of football i know everyone loves listening to him um you know this this transition he's made out of football to 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 the booth has been incredible but um you know he's he's a he's a competitive competitive amateur golfer scratch golfer um i don't need to read his scores off and and do that to him <laughs> i mean you know i don't need to be that guy but um <laughs> that doesn't hurt when you want to get some press and some notoriety for a a charity tournament to have tony romo rolling around that place you played the first two days with him You've played numerous rounds of golf with him. I know he's a, a, a friend, and you play you know, consistently play games with him. Um, give me a little bit about uh, what, how he is on the golf course, especially like in a tournament like this. Does he get maybe a little too amped up for it, if, to the detriment of his uh, to his score, or what is his approach to these things? Where this is not his, you know, this is not his profession. You know, he's not a. This is not football. So. How does he? Uh, how does he perform in these environments? Well, I, you know, we play a typical money game pretty much. You know, lately it feels like it's been every day. Five dollar Nassau's, right? Yeah, right. Of course. Um, you know, got to keep everything civil. We're all friends here. There you go. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, uh, yeah, I mean, the first day he took it pretty seriously, and even Mike and I were kind of laughing. And we were like, man, we haven't seen this guy before. You know, normally it's jokester Tony and, you know, maybe a little talking some trash and, you know, oh, you know, you can putt that. That's not good. Or, you know, Baldy hits a chip to 35 feet. Oh, great chip, man. You know, awesome. I mean, that's just typical Tony. But he took it super seriously the first day. And then the second day I was blowing 35 miles an hour and he <laughs> He was like, okay, okay, we're, we're out here having fun now. I get it. Yeah. I get it. But yeah, I mean, you know, the thing with him is it's like, he is a fantastic player and he really is like, I've seen him shoot 68, 69s out at Merido. The thing is, it's like, you get it on a day where it's tough and the roughs up a little bit and the greens are rolling just a little bit faster with tuck pins. That's just where. You know, typically when we play, I give him two and a half or three aside. You know, originally, I mean, it was closer to two. Um, but I had, I've gone on a little tear the last couple of weeks and I had to agree to giving him three. Um, but I think for him, it's just like he's still, he, he's asking all the right questions. Now it's in terms he's got to apply it. And he, he loves the game. He treats it like a job, honestly. I mean, he's out there every single day. He's watching sling videos on his on his phone of Ben Hogan and Tiger Two Thousand oh, while we're out playing. Oh, God. I mean, he he's he's such a golf dork junkie. <laughs> oh yeah, he's a dork, but he's such a he's such a junkie that it's like if I explain how to hit a draw four different ways, he's gonna try to hit it all four ways. Like that's how much he loves it, and. So I think for him, it's like he's asking all the right questions and the work ethic is there. Now I think he's at a point where he's got such a deep understanding. He really does have a deep understanding of the golf swing. I think now he just needs to learn how to play with it. Um, you know, the reality is, you know, when it's blown 35 miles an hour, 
I don't think you're really thinking about, you know, swing playing. No. And, you know, it's just like Mike Tyson. Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. I love I mean, that quote. That's one of my favorite oh, quotes best. of all time. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what Merido felt like when it's blowing 35 miles an hour. I mean, I'm hitting drivers basically 15 feet off the ground and trying to cut them 30 yards back into a right to left wind just so I can, you know, keep it in the fairway. And, you know, that's where it's like, you know, your, th- your thought of getting into your, your left glute on the downswing, that, that just goes out the window. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah. You're just kind of like, all right, let me manufacture something that keeps me on the planet and let's just get it to the house. Yeah. And I think that's what, you know, I, I, when we talked about it too, I mean, that's why I said he's asking all the right questions and, and I, I really do believe this. I mean, that, and I, this is not like a PR move on, you know, on behalf of a buddy, like I really do think that someday he will make a cut. Um, he loves it so much and he puts so much effort in. And I know that, you know, love and effort doesn't really spell, you know, great career right. <laughs> in golf, but I just know that he's got enough people around him that are so good that, you know, care about him as a person, as a player that he's going to, he's going to make a cut one day. And so that's why it's like, you know, the last three days, I mean, 7,900 yards, 150 slopes, 77.6 rating. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, blowing 35 miles an hour. I mean, that basically means a zero handicap is going to go out and shoot 80 all three rounds, you know? Well, that's, um, well, you guys tore it up yesterday. Um, excuse me. You guys, uh, you guys tore it up yesterday. Um, <laughs> just, you told me earlier that, so the, the, final group was was Scheffler who ends up winning by one over you and then Travis Vick uh, I believe sophomore from Texas yeah and then uh, your your roommate Davis Riley and then uh, in the penultimate group it's it's you it's Victor Hovland um, Mm -hmm. another former guest here and then um, and then Taylor Moore but you had you had Romo like doing color commentary for you in the final group I mean what 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 was going on there so we got to the 12th hole, which is our original 18. They rerouted the golf course for the tournament. Um, and I look over to my left and he's over there with uh, Mike and they're sitting there having a couple cocktails watching me play. And I'd knock it on in two, have like a 40 footer. And I it was a tough two putt and three putting it. And so then we finally get to 13 and Javi and I started trading birdies back and forth. And we'd kind of been doing that earlier in the day. We both birdied the same three holes on the front. Um, you know, I would knock one close, tap it in. He'd make one, you know, longer one. Then he would knock one in close and I'd make a longer one. And it was just kind of going back and forth. And, you know, we started getting some of the members coming out watching. And I made like a 15 footer on 13. He makes a 10 footer. He knocks one to three feet on a 220 yard par three. I hit mine to 15. We both make birdie. And I can tell Tony's getting super jacked up about it because now he's going up there and kind of acting like a spotter. And so 15 is just a beast of a hole. I mean, it's it's like 5'10", dog leg left, fairway runs left to right, and you've got water basically in every single direction. <laughs> I mean, it's a really good golf hole. And Javi kind of pulled one over left, but it stayed up, but he had some tree issues. And Tony's over there and he's like, all right, if he's a smart player, he'll blow it over the back of the green and he'll have an easy chip. 
but you know he's he can't you know if he puts in the front bunker he's not making up and down and i'm like i had already knocked mine on and i couldn't tell if it was six feet or 35 feet unfortunately it was 35 feet but he's like dude that shot was great and then he goes over to josh gregory and he's like showing like a video of me and he's like trying to figure out something for his own game oh and it's he, he's yeah and then i get up on the green and javi as you know tony called it shocker he blows it over the back side of the green which was the perfect play and he was like all right you know this is a brutal chip i mean it's basically 65 feet and it's downhill the entire way and then six feet past the hole is a false front and he looks like, second he chips and he goes oh this is your ball game buddy this is your ball game and i'm like this is incredible. Like he's literally on the green with us. There's like 40, 50 people or 40, 50 members just out, you know, walking around with their family and, you know, watching Scotty's group, watching our group. And I'm like, I'm like, I love that he cares so much. Right. Like it, it, it was honestly, I took it as a compliment. I thought it was hilarious just how much he was out there. Yeah. He's just like, you know, sitting there talking to me whatever. And I'm like, Oh my God. I was it's like, get away. Was, from, I mean, I love it, but get away from me. I'm, I'm yeah. It's like, go, go stand over there. Let me go get you another cocktail or something. Just stay over there. That's but awesome. he, he's the best man. I mean, he's, he's been so good to me throughout my career. And I could tell, you know, yesterday he was like, he sent me a text. He's like, dude, I haven't watched anybody play golf since my dad 10 years ago. And so I was like, well, wow. looks like I got, looks like I got a pretty good friend there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Wow, that's awesome. You okay? So you mentioned the, the whole rerouting, I, and I gotta ask because, like, look, I, I have nothing against the guy. I mean, he seems to be a good guy. Seems to be a good player. He's had some some mild success, but so, but if Jordan Spieth's golf ball doesn't stay in the hole, you how do you how do you count it as a hole in one? And I get it. There's a PVC pipe in there, or there's a there's a pool noodle, and I get it. And I don't have nothing against Spieth. I'd be saying the same thing if it was Tiger or Phil or Jack or you or anyone. But if the ball doesn't stay in the hole, isn't it kind of hard to call it a hole in one? Am I miss? I mean, how explain to me what I'm missing here? I'll tell you right now, and okay. I didn't ask Tony about this yesterday. If Tony and Spieth were playing their usual game, Tony was 100% counting that ball in the water. There is no questions asked okay. that Tony was counting that in the water. That being said. Spieth did do the proper thing and buy a bunch of drinks and we I guess we did count it but I know Tony well enough that there's no way in hell that he was gonna let this thing slide be like oh you know yeah that would have stayed in whatever you know so I mean that he's so ultra competitive but yeah I mean basically I was on the other side of the lake but we heard all the screaming and apparently his ball flew in the hole and the PVC pipe literally went up the flag stick and like went like halfway up the flag and then the ball like went shooting off over into the water and we heard a big old scream and so i assume that someone made a one which honestly is a ridiculous golf shot even though it's 110 yards right you know i'm bailing out from 110 yards if it shows you how hard that shot is and you know like javi hit one yesterday to 10 feet just on the fringe and it's like it's like Freddie at Augusta on number 12. It's like, how in the hell does that ball stay up? Right. You know? And so if he goes another six inches, the ball's in the water. So, I mean, it, I mean, I, I we were all laughing and speed had, I, I know speed bought drinks yesterday. So I trust me, I'm shocked that Tony let that count. 
Okay. Long story. Long story short. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I've it's it's been all over, you know, social media, and there's there. I know he's talked about. It, he did a little. Uh, he's mentioned it, and as I said, I don't want to get on anyone's bad side here. I'm just saying that, like, that's it's kind of part of that whole concept of. <laughs> You know, it's actually in the name, hole, you know, hole in. I mean, it's there. It's not, you know, um, well, that's, yeah, I, I, gosh, I'd love to be there to see that happen with Rome and be like, yeah, 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 go, go take your drop. You're, you're, you're still- yeah, I, I'm telling you right now, I, I can't believe, I don't think there's any way in hell that Tony would pay that out. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, he did the right thing. Like you said, he bought drinks. What? So what was the, the social aspect of it? Like you guys really couldn't hang out afterwards at all. Uh, I mean, I think I see some of the rules down here in South Florida. We're getting ready to start uh, uh, start golf pretty soon, and um, they're like, I mean, basically, it's like don't show up too early. You can't just bang balls on the range for an hour. Go play, exactly. go play, keep your distance, and when you're done, you know, get the hell out of there and and don't hang around with people. I mean, is that basically what it's like? Yeah, I mean, you know, they told us not to. Um, you know, get there more than 45 minutes before our tea time. Um, and basically when you got done, you, I mean, they did a really good job of policing it. Like if there were kind of groups gathering, they'd kind of tell them to, you know, Hey, can you guys maybe go over here? You can still talk and, you know, just keep your distance, but we just don't want, you know, groups, turning into one giant group and now all of a sudden you got 50 people on a patio. So, um, you know, basically it was kind of like everyone was, whoever wanted to hang out with anybody just kind of spread out in their own corners and were separated. And so we had, you know, like when people were out following us, you know, everybody, that was the part that was, so that's why I said like, it can be done. Right. Um, was, you know, having, a good group of people following us, but everybody was, you know, one people, you know, a mother and father with their, you know, two kids, they're over here and they're way away from the four guys that are drinking beer and they're, you know, separated from each other. But so that's why it was like, I remember sitting there on basically 15 and seeing the crew that was following us. And I was like, this is honestly incredible. Like I did not think that people could do this. So, I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, it, it gave me a lot of hope. That's for sure, dude. You know, that's awesome. Because I think I think today actually is the first day where things are kind of going back to normal for the golf courses in Texas. So, no, that's, um, that's that's awesome. You mentioned um, before I forget. You mentioned a lot of these collegiate players that were in the tournament, whether it's you know Quake Cummins from Oklahoma or um, you know Cooper Dossie at Baylor. And Eckrode over at Oklahoma State, and, you know, a lot of other players were in the field too. Have, have you had a chance maybe to maybe ask them what their plans are? Because a lot of them that are seniors have opportunities to go back to school. And, um, you know, I'm not sure if, if you had a chance to, to speak with any of them. Um, I mean, I know that, you know, your experience at Wake Forest is something you treasure to this day. I'm just curious if you've had any opportunity to say, hey, you know, what are you thinking? And, um, has that, has that come about? Yeah. You know, I haven't really talked to, you know, a lot of those guys about it, but I know a lot of people, um, you know, the friends that I have, you know, not specifically that were playing in this tournament, they're planning on going back to okay. schools basically because there's no Q school this fall. Um, you know, so if you turn pro, you're basically just going to a Monday qualifiers and, 
you know, if you don't, you might as well go ahead and go back to school, maybe get a master's degree in something or whatever, finish up in the spring and then go out, maybe play Canada or Latin or maybe do some Mondays and then go to Q school in the fall of 2021 because there's just real no benefit to turning pro now. I mean, it, it's really a, a tough situation for those guys. And honestly, it's a blessing that the NCAA is letting them go back. Oh, yeah. Um, because if it didn't go back, honestly, I would feel for them. I mean, my situation was very different in the fact that basically Q school was going to be my backup. I mean, I had 10 months to get my card on one of the tours. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, you know, I, I, I feel for the guys, but at the same time, there's going to be a lot of really good college golf being played oh this year. Gosh. I mean, it's going to be really fun to watch. And the fact that we had 15-ish guys that are on the Corn Ferry or PGA Tour that are playing in this past event, and there's college kids that are in the mix you know, to win this tournament. I mean, it's just like, holy cow. I mean, this is college golf is going to be playing at a really high level this upcoming year. Can you imagine what it would have been like just to get, I mean, and my college experience is nothing like what you had, but can you even think back if you were in their shoes, like if you were able to get one more year of college? Oh my God, that would be. (laughs) And, and you're, Uh, I mean, you're, you're 20, what, 24, I think. 23. 23. Okay. And I'm 43 and I'm just thinking back (laughs) like, oh my God, if someone said to me, all right, listen. Yeah, just do it again. One more year, why not? You know, go Van Wilder. Who gives a shit? Just you know, play some more golf, have some fun. It's fine. I'd be like, really? Can you? And and you're you're barely out of it. Oh man, I love. I actually love that movie, Van Wilder. It's one of my favorite movies. Of course. Um, yeah, go take a victory lap, and you know, not to mention play some really high quality golf. Yeah, I mean, I I. And then actually, Knowing, and, yeah. and you're as a and as a Walker Cupper. I mean, you played in 2017 at, at LAC, LACC. All those guys that thought that it was not going to be in the cards for them, now are th- thinking that I'm guessing now it is. Yeah, because I'm thinking like yeah. you know, like like guy like John Augustine, um, you know, who played once and was thinking, okay, that's probably it. He's probably going to turn pro. Well, now he has a chance. Um, you know, you look at guys like Sahithagala. You look at. Uh, I mean, gosh, I'm just thinking, um, I mean, you know, maybe like a Cooper Dossie, who really probably wasn't on the short list to make it last year, but now he's got to be on the short list to make it in 2021. So it just it opens up so many incredible opportunities. Yeah, I mean, it's that's why I hate saying that, you know, obviously the virus is a very tragic thing. Of course. But, you're, you're, but you're on, it's on almost yeah. – yeah, it's almost as weird as it sounds for golfers um, because they get more time to develop their craft. They get more time to ask questions, you know, to improve. They get more time to possibly, like you said, play in a Walker Cup, which is to this day, I think, is one of the coolest experiences of my life. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I know that obviously, you know, I left a semester early, but it's a completely different situation. And, you know, these guys, you know, looking at it from a professional perspective, I would tell them, for one, stay if you can, because in this situation, given how things are going to fall, because obviously, like you said, there's another chance to make a Walker Cup. 
you know, there's another year to uh, work on your craft. And if you go ahead and turn pro, you're going to be stuck playing Mondays and relying on sponsors exemptions that quite frankly are probably going to more chances are probably going to be given to guys that have either have either locked up their corn ferry or their PGA tour card from the corn ferry tour already. And they haven't gotten a battlefield promotion yet. Now that our season's, you know, a year and a half long, or they're going to be given to guys that don't have the best of status. And, you know, they're in the one, you know, 50 to 200 ish category of players and they'll be given those spots out. So not to mention on a, uh, you know, sponsor side, you know, obviously the market's not doing great. You know, it's getting, it's trying to come back, but you know, when I turned pro, I was at an all time high or the you know, market then was at an all time high and it only went higher. So that's where for these guys, you know, I know that it's like, well, you know, what does the market have to do with golf? It's like, well, you know, marketing budgets are kind of determined on how your company does. Um, so that's why for me, it's like, and I'm starting to learn all this is, you know, I was very fortunate when I did turn pro to take advantage of the economic climate, you know, and if I, you know, guys that are turning pro now, you know, a lot of them are only going to be getting manufacturing contracts or or golf, you know, manufacturer contracts. So that's why I think giving it another year and a half and, you know, I guess, you know, take a victory lap or, you know, get it your masters, you know, that's where I think these guys are actually very fortunate because it's almost like this is your only path. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to kind of, so basically what you're just, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what you're kind of saying is when you turned pro, you had more sponsorship opportunities, manufacturer opportunities to kind of give you a, a financial cushion, get your career started where you weren't necessarily hurting for finding money for travel expenses, entry fees, uh, different things like that, uh, living expenses, of course. And now you're seeing that these kids, if they come out now, you know, like I'm, I'm even thinking about Romo. If I'm a, if I'm a um, corn fairy tour event, I'm going to give a sponsor's exemption to Tony Romo over maybe some guy, some, some 19 year old or 20 year old kid that's coming out of college that really, unless you're following college golf very carefully, nobody knows because Romo, right. Romo's going to give them more of a bang for their buck. They'll get people, he will get people out on the golf course. He will get media attention. So yeah, it makes sense. Stay in school and, and just let, see if things will recover because without that financial backing of sponsors and equipment companies, it's a, it's a, it's a tough road. Yeah. You know, and that's where, you know, and I've been talking to some friends about it where, you know, they're asking, you know, to pick my brain and, you know, a lot of them laugh because I say stay and it's like, well, I left early. And then I've got to break down the completely different situations that we're in right now. And so that's why, you know, when you, when the kids are going to be turning pro really in the next, you know, if there are any guys that turn pro in the next year, they're really only going to be having manufacturing contracts. And if there's a, clothing company that's you know involved with that company you know like a titleist or foot um that's really all that they're going to be doing you know there's really it's a lot of the uh corporate sponsorships are going to be put on hold for a little while um so that's why you know and that's a lot of that stuff when you turn pro early unless you're a guy you know that's won everything 
coming out of the gate or coming out of college, they're not, you know, life-changing deals. Of course, you know, you hear the old adage, you know, it's not your first contract. That's the life-changing one. It's the second one. Um, And so that's why, um, you know, that's part of the reason why I would try to tell everybody that I could, that's, you know, thinking of either turning pro or going back to school. It's like, just go back to school. And in this situation, you can take advantage of it in such a perfect way of, have it another year, maybe get your master's, go knock out some, you know, go win a couple times or go, you know, play against some really high level competition in college and hopefully make Walker cup and have the best experience of your golfing life up to that point. Um, I'm just thinking about the chicks. I mean, I'm just going to be really honest. <laughs> I, I totally agree with you about the college uh, piece. I mean, as a, as a, you know, working stiff in his forties, if someone tells me I get to go back to college for a year, uh, sign me up and you know uh, i'd be all in for that i mean get out of here um <laughs> um so i before i let you go uh you mentioned you, know, you got your roommate davis riley and you guys are trying to stay sharp um for uh you know for when golf returns for when your your professional uh you know lives uh, get back to somewhat normality one of the interesting things that i've seen on on social media is um everyone seems to have a putting net or putting mat and everyone's got a hitting net, and everyone's doing whatever the hell they can do to stay sharp. Um, right. ha- have you have you got on this bandwagon? Because everyone's got their different setup. I know I know Rory has his own damn gym, and he's got you know tennis courts, and I I, I know that's a different level than that all of us are on. But <laughs> what are you doing? What is your setup that you guys do? You have anything? Yeah, I mean, not all of us are blessed to have track band simulators in our houses, and I you know, know, I know, hundred thousand dollar plus gyms in our houses either but so davis and i reconfigured the couch in our living room slash kitchen area and we've got a jumbo xl golf net with a mat and that's basically been our driving range for the last six weeks and we've got a uh, a 36 foot putting mat laying down on the ground that goes the entire lengthwise of our apartment And so, and I've got all of my kettlebells and medicine balls. They're all basically in our living room right now. So basically we have been practicing, sleeping, having nightly beverages, watching maybe a comedian or two, all literally within about a 250 square foot space. So we've been working out, being lazy and practicing all in the same spot. Perfect. Um, But we've had a couple of late night, 1230 pull out the track man try to hit our numbers over a couple beverages and throw some currency on it so i'm sure i'm sure our downstairs neighbors can't stand us but i I was just about to ask like okay uh is this apartment out in the woods somewhere or are you getting evicted tomorrow no i mean they haven't graced us with their presence yet but I'm sure it'll happen at some point, but I think the, I think driving ranges might be opening in the next couple of days down here in Dallas. So we, uh, we may slide by with a couple of, a uh, couple too many 1am uh, hit your number contests on track van and wow. not getting in trouble for it. All right, so. Well, before you tear down this facility, uh, definitely send me a picture of it so I can post it. Cause I think I need to, <laughs> this is something we need to see. Um, well, listen, I, um, I, I appreciate you kind of giving, uh, giving me and, and listeners kind of a recap of, of this Merido event. Uh, I think it's fantastic that, uh, you know, a lot of this money was raised for, for the caddies. I think it's just very interesting to see what golf looks like now and what it can be with uh, a few measures taken into place. Um, 
you know, stay uh, stay healthy and stay sharp, and uh, you know, definitely let me know when that next Merido event happens. And uh, <laughs> and uh, and and before I let you go, when is your when do you think is your next event you are going to play in? Not not necessarily the date, but like what is what is your plan right now? Do you have one? Yeah, I mean, I think our next. I mean, I'll probably if Merido does that event again, that'll be my next one. But for Corn Ferry Tour, June eighth down at TPC Sawgrass and on the Dye Valley course okay, is probably going to be our first one back. I mean, I, I'm fairly confident that that's going to be our, our first one. I don't think they're going to push it back anymore. Okay. Well, so. get ready for that one and, uh, you know, protect that security deposit for the apartment and um, <laughs> do your best. And, uh, and we'll catch up again soon. I appreciate it, Will. Always, Ben. Thanks, brother. And there you have it. Special thanks to Will Zalatoris for joining me this morning on this uh, special Friday episode here at the Back of the Range. Don't forget, we'll have more episodes coming up in the next several weeks. Follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and every episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you again next time here at the Back of the Range.